Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Long. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer here on 1250 AM The Fan. Check out all the fun stuff at 1250amthefan.com. Got the latest interview with uh, Tim Dillard up uh, as well. You can check out. We do that weekly, brought to you by a fourth base restaurant. Also just did a, a great piece uh, that'll be up on the website with Dan Zielinski third. Uh, if you're a MLB draft nerd, uh, baseballprospectjournal.com is a website that he's ran for the last seven or eight years. Really, really good rising star in the business. Uh, that'll be going up. Uh, as well, if you haven't had a chance to check that out. Next week, Jay Kokorowski from the Wisconsin State Journal. We're going to go over the Badger recruits that are coming in uh, over the week, and we'll have an interview up with him. So always check out 1250amthefan.com or on your Odyssey app, all the different stuff we're doing outside of the Curtin Long podcast, which you can download there as well, uh, as uh, well as wherever you download your favorite podcast at Spotify, Apple, whatever. Joining me now is Paul Brettel, uh, one of my favorites. Many of his interviews uh, on the Odyssey app, uh, as I've talked about, and on 1250amthefan.com throughout the uh, football season. Uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, you will know uh, after this, and you will follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L, because he is very, very good at what he does, as are pretty much all these guys that we bring on. Like, I try not to bring on guys that I don't like, right? If I, if I don't think they're good, I'm not bringing them on. Right. If I think they're idiots, I'm not going to bring them on the podcast. I just now some people do that and then they try and embarrass the dude they bring on because there's egos and so forth. I just don't invite dudes on. If I don't like you, I'm just not going to invite you on. Like, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, he's a writer for Packers Wire. Also, of course, you can check him out, Dairyland Express. Paul, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. First time on Curd and Long. Appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it, Sparky. Always happy to talk Packers football with you. All right, so let's start first, I guess, uh, a little bit with this rookie class. Uh, they've had their own rookie OTAs. Now they've had OTAs uh, with the vets here. Uh, and yeah, Bakhtiari is actually there. We'll get more into David Bakhtiari uh, in a little bit. First, let's start with that tight end room. Uh, I'm not there. I didn't go. So I am, like most fans, just watching what I see on social media and on Twitter. And I'm seeing video of Musgrave. And I'm drooling at what I'm seeing of Musgrave on video, he is long. It looks like he's fast, kind mm -hmm. of uh, explosive. Uh, the one video they showed, he bobbled a little bit, and people are kind of like, oh, he bobbled the ball a little bit. Whatever, he caught the ball. Le leave him alone. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can kind of see there, with all due respect uh, to tight ends they've had in the past, that the athleticism is there to be a difference maker in this Packers offense going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Matt LaFleur, after yesterday's practice, said it best. He's different. He's absolutely different than what the Packers have had previously. That size, that athleticism that you see, you know, on his RAS score, on his, you know, what he's listed on the roster, all of that is incredibly evident right away. When he's running downfield, he's getting down there quickly. He has soft hands. We saw him make a few over-the-shoulder catches yesterday. And during team drills, uh, he was a big threat over the middle on crossers and down the seam. I think that's where we're really going to see him exploited or exploiting defenses this season just because he's such a matchup threat, again, with that size and speed. And he brings to this Packers offense dynamic playmaking ability at the tight end position, which is something they just didn't have. We look at last year's tight end room, uh, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGora, all uh, reliable pass catchers for the most part, but none of them brought any sort of that juice to the offense. Robert Tunyon was the primary pass catching threat, and he averaged fewer than nine yards per catch last season, which for reference, I think ranked 34th out of 42 eligible tight ends. There just wasn't that difference maker. And so when you have someone like a Lucas Musgrave and Tucker Craft as well, he was 
uh, on the sidelines for yesterday's or Wednesday's practice. But he brings yards after the catch ability. When you have guys like that in the offense, that not only creates big play opportunities for themselves, but with the attention that they draw, that's going to create big play opportunities for everyone else within that offense. So there's going to be a positive trickle down effect to others. Uh, hopefully for Jordan Loves, it leads to you know some easier throws, especially on downfield ones when you're targeting someone like uh, Musgrave or Tucker Craft. But they're absolutely different and. One other tangent I just want to go off on with the tight end room is that their their craft and Musgraves passing numbers are what stood out about them during their college careers or on tape specifically. But Brian Gudikins, after they were drafted and he was talking to us, he kept going back to these are well-rounded tight ends, referring to the blocking aspect as well. And again, I think that's going to bring a different element to the Packers offense. Not that they didn't have good blockers. They obviously had Mercedes Lewis. But the tight end room that they had last year was very specialized. Robert Tunyon was the pass catcher. Mercedes Lewis and Josiah DeGore were primarily blockers. Like if you were a defense and you were on the field, you had a good idea of which each of those tight ends roles and responsibilities will be. With Kraft, with Musgrave, if they can become proficient in both of those areas as pass catchers and blockers, it becomes a lot more difficult for the defense to decipher all right, what are these guys doing pre-snap? What's the play going to be like pre-snap? It keeps them off balance. It keeps them guessing. And again, that just has a positive trickle-down effect to the rest of the offense, benefiting anyone, everyone around them. Now you understand why I have Paul Brettel on. So good. <laughs> you just listen to Paul Brettel talk all day about football. Okay, so th- this is my thing. When they drafted both of them, I had said going into the draft leading up to it that I wanted two tight ends. Now, in my world, I had a different vision. I had Mayer and Kincaid both in the first round using multiple ones. And because they're different enough, Kincaid's the go down the field guy. Mayer's the kind of craft guy, I guess you could say, uh, of these two, where he's more the physical blocker, but he's got good hands, get a little bit of a separation, but not explosive speed or anything like that. So that's not how it worked out. They are different enough, though, these two tight ends of the Packers drafted to where it's going to work, that you're going to be able to play two tight end sets and be able to do a lot out of two tight end sets. And like you pointed out in the past, they really weren't able to, to do that as much. And now probably for the first time since Shamura and Keith Jackson, maybe they're going to be in a position to have two tight ends out there, either blocking and doing a lot of stuff with the ground game, play action out of it, setting up in a two tight end set and splitting one off uh, in motion they really are going to be in a situation once these guys know what the hell they're doing and know the offense to really do a lot of creative stuff, I think, in Matt LaFleur's offense. Yeah, 100%. And you know, as you mentioned, their, their ability to move around, we're going to see two tight end sets where it's not just both of them in line. It's going to be one of them in line, one of them in the slot. Again, because of that size, that athleticism that they have, they're going to be mismatches. They're too big for corners. They're going to be too fast for most linebackers, and the Packers are going to be able to exploit that. You know, Matt LaFleur often talked about early on in his tenure with the Packers that illusion of complexity where, you know, plays start out similarly, but they end up differently in terms of where the players end up on the field or running the same play, but from a variety of formations. And to accomplish that, you need versatility, which again is what these two bring as blockers, pass catchers, lining up inside, lining up outside, and having that, again, being able to exploit that part of their games, it's going to make everything easier for uh, the, the offense as a whole after time. One thing I want to stress is many rookie tight ends 
they do not produce significantly in their first season. We need to be prepared. I know I'm talking about all the exciting stuff because it's there, the potential there, the upside is there. But history tells us there's going to be a lot of ups and downs from these two this season. I'll interject. They don't have a choice. No. They're surrounded by young guys. Mm -hmm. We can say whatever we want about history, but history also says that usually there's veterans in an offense. There's not. I mean, Jones and Dylan, fine. That's it. Mm -hmm. DeGuar is not these two. And he may be a great guy and all, but he does not deserve to be getting as many snaps as these two guys get one way or the other. Like, figure it out. Simplify it as much as possible to get them on the field to -hmm. let them use their athletic ability. Because the next conversation is the wide receivers and where they go. Think about this. Your vets, Christian Watson, didn't play a full season. Got hurt. <laughs> Romeo Dobbs, didn't play a full season. Got hurt. Zamari Toure, who was the third, what, fifth receiver, wherever the hell he was last year, he barely got on the field last year. Now, apparently, he's redid his body, and he he looks really good coming back, and he's going to be a contributor. Rodgers talked about him last year in training camp that he really liked him. Seventh-round pick out of Nebraska. Uh, but there is no veteran leadership in that wide receiver room at all, and DeGuara is the vet in the tight end room, so I argue there's nothing there either because that dude was hurt his first full year in the NFL too. This is going to be something, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure Matt LaFleur's all that excited about dealing with all of these young players and rookies and trying to kind of spoon-feed them like they're in kindergarten of kind of what he wants to run on offense, but athletically, Paul, this wide receiver group could be something. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the the burden, for lack of a better term, it's going to fall on Matt LaFleur because they've constructed an offense with skill position players that bring a variety of, of skills to the offense. You got the big play threat in Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Matt LaFleur said he doesn't think there's a route that he can't run. You got the explosive slot receiver in Jaden Reed. And we just talked about the tight ends. You got uh, Aaron Jones out of the backfield who can run or uh be a pass catcher. A.J. Dillon's more the power back. They have variety, and it's going to come down to the Matt LaFleur offense, you know, helping them along the way, especially during that early going, overcome those ups and downs. Because, again, going back to the tight end position, LaFleur's talked about this. It's after quarterback, what he views as the second most difficult position in football in terms of transitioning from college to the NFL because they have to run routes, no route concepts like receivers. They have to be able to block, no assignments, technique like alignment in the run game. They even have to do pass protection as well. And oftentimes we don't see tight ends hit their stride till year two or even three in the NFL. Going back the last 20 years, there's only been, I believe, three tight ends who have had 600 receiving yards in their rookie season. So again, history says there's not going to be a significant impact uh, in terms of production from the tight end position. Now, as you mentioned, that could change for the Packers because they don't really have a choice. They have to rely rely heavily on those players. But there's going to be ups and downs. Look at all the promise and upside that we feel and have seen from Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Their rookie seasons last year were very up and down. Again, that's going to be the theme of this season. And a lot of the success that the Packers are going to have, it's going to have to start with the offensive line play to give the receivers, the skill position players, Jordan Love, that that opportunity, but also to help establish the run. Let's talk a little bit. We know about Watson. We know about Dobbs. Uh, Samari Toure, we've kind of seen uh, in preseason. We've kind of seen him in the regular season a little bit. Not a ton for people to know a ton about. Uh, what have you seen out of Samari Toure to this point? 
Uh, so, so far he's been mostly playing out of the slot with Jaden Reed. And we know that all those guys, the main four, Reed, Watson, Dobbs, and Toure, they have the ability to play inside and out. But right now, as they're laying the foundation for what they want this offense to look like, it's been mostly Dobbs and Watson on the outside and then Jaden Reed and Samori Toure um, from the slot. But in terms of his size, he he is bulked up. He, I, I was just talking to him yesterday. He said he's up to 193 from 185, so up eight pounds. Ah. And I think the big thing with that is – or where it's going to be most noticeable is as a blocker in the run game. Cause we all know how important that part of the game is for the green Bay Packers. Yep. And where I really think he can carve out a role in this offense is as a downfield target. Now, obviously Christian Watson is still going to do that, but Matt LaFleur said what they want from Watson this season is for him to expand his, the number of routes that he can run. So Don't it's be not going to pretty much. Yes, it's not going to be as many just vertical routes. That's yep. still good. He's still going to be asked to do that, but not as often. So when you, if he's not running those type of routes, you have a guy like Toure who can still stretch the defense because that's really important. One of the things that went wrong with this Packers offense early on last season is, you know, as Watson was coming in and out before he hit his stride, they didn't have a true deep threat. You go back and watch a lot of those early games, defenses are crowding the line of scrimmage because they're not worried about getting beat over the top. So that makes running the ball more difficult. Uh, the the passing uh, passing lanes or opportunity out there is condensed because the defenders are closer. Just has a trickle down effect to the rest of the offense and impacts it negatively. So you want to have that deep threat. So defenses are always to a degree going to have to respect that with Watson just because of who he is and what he can do. But if he's not asked to do that as often and you have Toure who can step in and draw some of that attention, it's going to create more room underneath and more room for everyone else to operate. So that's the role I see him uh, fitting into this season let's talk about this so we assume that watson's good dobbs is good right reed is good toure i'm gonna put into the i believe he is good i think so that's four there is no Cobb. there is no lazard there is nobody else so it's those four providing they don't get deandre hopkins don't see that happening apparently the patriots are in play why you'd leave Kyler Murray to play with Mac Jones? Don't know, but either way. So th- these are the four receivers. So who else are we talking about here? I'm like, I liked Wicks coming out of college. I don't know what he's looked like necessarily at OTAs, but who else is in competition for these other probably two slots? I would say Dontavian Wicks. He did not practice on Wednesday, uh, but catching a glimpse of him at the first OTA practice and during rookie minicamp, he's really, really smooth. He has the ability to run a variety of routes. Now, again, he's taken in the fifth round there's refinement that's needed drops were a a big part of his final year at Virginia but in terms of someone who you can ask to do a variety of things at the receiver position in terms of route running I think that he's someone who can develop into that player for them Uh, and then right now so that that's five I if I had to guess right now I think the six receivers if they keep six they typically keep five or six but if they keep six it's going to be the six receivers they've drafted over the last two years Gudikins has shown that he prefers his own, you know, their draft picks that they spend. So that last spot, if I had to guess, would go to Grant DuBose right now, although he hasn't practiced at all. He's been sidelined. So that remains a little bit up in the air, but I think Dontavian Wicks is easily wide receiver five. And again, when it comes to the four that you mentioned, and then we factor in DeGuara, Kraft, uh, Musgrave, Jones and Dylan are often active in the passing game. Like, in terms of usage wise, you know, barring injuries, they're not going to really need beyond three or four receivers again if everyone stays healthy. So I, that's how I see things shaking out in the receiver room. 
All right, good. So now let's follow up. Do they need to get a veteran? LaFleur keeps getting asked this, and LaFleur keeps saying, well, we'll see. We'll see what this looks like when we get to training camp. I feel like if you ask LaFleur, what do you want without a microphone on, I'm guessing he'd say, yeah, I'd love a veteran or two for both of these positions to come in so I don't got to rely on these guys having to learn their games as we're going here. Gutekunst, I look at Gutekunst and say, he doesn't really care about this year necessarily. And I've, I had Andy Herman on. And I asked Andy Herman, like, do you think he's trying to win? Because it's hard for me to say that this dude's really all about winning this year based on what you're giving them to work with on offense. When Aaron Rodgers took over, he had all veteran wide receivers playing at a high damn level. Jordan mm-hmm. Love takes over and you give them a bunch of young kids that are trying to learn how to play in the NFL. You can't be telling me with a straight face that, oh, yeah, I think we'll be a playoff team this year. You might be. Sure, it could happen. But this isn't how you build it if that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, there's two sides that there's the you got to put enough guys around Jordan Love. So he has a chance to have some success during his first season. The other side of that, and at least from what we've seen so far, the route that they're looking is. By giving these young guys the experience, they know that they're going to have to weather the storm of inconsistency, but hopefully in doing so, the chemistry rapport rapport between Love and those pass catchers uh, grows a lot quicker. Hopefully the learning curve that they have is not as steep or is shorter, I should say, and so that they can make a greater impact sooner, especially as you mentioned, if, if they're looking to 2024 to really make a run, you know that those are some of the upsides for that. If I had to guess, I would say they're going to get into training camp and really see how things play out before making that decision. I mean, Brian Gutekinds does have a a solid track record of uh, finding guys in the you know June, July, even beyond August range when he found Rasul Douglas earlier in the season who can come in and be significant contributors. But you know, the free agent market at this point right now is obviously there's not a ton of options out there. Oh, let me ask you this. Because I know which one I want. Who would you rather have for this roster? Lewis, Mercedes Lewis, or Deguara? <laughs> yeah, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, to fill that blocking role and he and can I help provide some people that like Deguara, but I'm sorry. The coaching aspect that he would help with in that room, forget the on the field stuff. Like Mercedes, I don't know how much you're going to play. I have no idea. You may play three snaps a game. Don't know. I'm going to pay you more because we have 16 million in cap space. I'm going to pay you more than the veteran minimum. And I want you to come in here and essentially be another coach for me inside these meeting rooms and on the field. So part of your salary is you're going to be an extension of us and I'll make you the damn tight ends coach or assistant tight ends coach when you're done you got a job here going forward to me i'm all in like there's no reason not to be all in on this guy like everybody you hear about says this dude is amazing everybody loves this dude everybody wants to be around this dude mm-hmm. you lost randall cop who again i said i would have overpaid for to keep to help these young wide receivers out and i would have had the same conversation with him you may play 12 to 15 snaps maybe but the rest of this is having you be a coach. I just think a veteran player that knows this offense is a much bigger deal than a second or third year player that isn't going to be a big contributor in the offense. Anyhow, because these young kids are going to play in front of them that they're going to listen to guys would listen to Randall Cobb. They've seen him. Guys are going to listen to Mercedes Lewis because he commands your respect. Apparently as soon as he enters a, enters a room, 
Mm-hmm. I, that to me is what I don't understand about Brian Gutekunst in this whole thing. Like it doesn't make any sense. Just because you have Mercedes Lewis does not mean he has to start and play 80% of the snaps and he's going to take away from your young guys. That's not what this is. Unless he's concerned that Mercedes Lewis is going to talk crap about him because of how the Rodgers thing played out and he's that, you know, super sensitive about making sure everybody's talking good things about him and that's why he doesn't want to bring any of these guys back. I don't don't know any other good reason why you wouldn't have him back. And it doesn't even have to be a a Mercedes Lewis or DeGora. It should be Mercedes Lewis or Tyler Davis, because right now Tyler Davis is going to be the fourth tight end on the roster. I'm so sick of his hype, too. You can keep him, too. Don't <laughs> want him, either. You can get rid of him, too. I see all this hype on social media. Oh, Tyler Davis, this. Tyler. I heard all this same crap last year in training camp, and then we get to the season, and guess what? He did nada. Go ahead, sorry. Now you're good. For the rookie tight ends, I think where their impact is going to be seen the most is in the passing game, but I think that blocking aspect of it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, they have, you know, some college experience, both over 500 snaps, but obviously what they're asked to do in the Lafleur offense and the complexity and the, the frequency of it's different and more challenging. So having Lewis on that offensive line, who's like a six offensive lineman, I, I, I started going down this path earlier. The success, the potential success that Jordan Love is going to have this year, I know a lot of the attention's on the pass catchers. It starts with the offensive line. If the Packers aren't able to find success running the ball on early downs, it means third and longs. You don't want to put your own quarterback in that. Obviously, if he doesn't have time to throw, that's not good for him either. A lot of the – a number of the issues last season that the Packers experienced began on the offensive line. It wasn't until week 10 that they had their their preferred starting five back-to-back weeks. There were injuries. There was movement. It altered the entire game plan. That Washington game last season – Zach Tom had his first start at left tackle on late notice. They were just quick passing him, quick passing him. And Watson have, got hurt. Because they didn't, exactly, because they didn't have the confidence or the trust in that offensive line to do anything else. And that's with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. So magnify that now that you have a first-time starter in Jordan Love. So any success, in my opinion, begins up front. And going back to Mercedes Lewis, obviously as a run blocker, someone in pass protection, he can help solidify what it should already be a, a very good offensive line unit if they were able to bring them back. But you know, one thing I'll throw out there, you know, these are, these are two way conversations. Does, does Lewis have interest in returning? I mean, we don't know that right now. Well, it doesn't appear he's going to play. Otherwise the jets have a hundred tight ends. So while he's bringing everybody to New York Rogers, I can't, I don't see how they're going to fit him in unless they trade one of their guys and, and their guys are recently draft picks. A couple of those guys are younger mm-hmm. that they have on that roster. Okay. W- what about David Bakhtiari? This is interesting to me because he was on the big show for a number of years with Gary Leroy and myself. Um, I feel like, like a lot of old guys, they get a little bit bigger, bitter, uh, and a little bit more hostile, uh, older in age, a little bit more cranky and grumpy. And he had his thing with the social media team of the Packers going back and forth and all this stuff. Uh, he talked about the rebuild, uh, and then he caught a lot of flack for that. I'll be honest with you. Like this dude, in my opinion, I ain't him, right? He don't want to be here. This dude don't want to be. This dude wants to go win a Super Bowl. This dude, Tom's a Tom's a clicking, and he can't stay healthy. So he needs to be in a situation. This team ain't winning a Super Bowl this year. They probably aren't winning a Super Bowl next year, and he probably would rather be somewhere else. And I'm not even saying with Rodgers and the Jets, San Francisco, Philly. I mean, pick Kansas City. Chargers, whatever teams that are going to compete for a championship. That's where he'd probably rather be. I think this is his last year in Green Bay. I think contract-wise, they can move on. 
there's some of this talk about post June 1st cuts and all this other crap. There's if Goody lets him go, I'm going to lose my mind for nothing. <laughs> so Bakhtiari a trade possibly for whatever next off season. I think that's a possibility, but I think he's here this year. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And a lot of my feelings towards that goes back to everything I just mentioned that the success starts up front. Yep. He was still when on the field playing at a really, really high level last season. He was. And once they got beyond <clears throat> week 10, 11, 12, they seemed to find a good rhythm for him in terms of how he was practicing each week and then his availability on Sunday. Because that time he missed was in later in the season was due to the the appendix, just a, right. a freak thing that happened. There weren't any sort of knee issues beyond that week 10 moment. So <clears throat> he was playing at a high level. They hopefully got his knee figured out. He said yesterday or on Wednesday when we were speaking with him that, you know, this is the first offseason he's had in a few years where he's been able to, <clears throat> excuse me, attack it normally. And so obviously, hopefully that helps him get off to a, a fast start. So I don't see them cutting him or trading him post June 1st for those reasons, still playing at a high level. This offense line's worse without him, even though Nyman and Tom are capable. They're, they're not David Bakhtiari. Matt LaFleur said last season that the offensive game plan is completely different when Bakhtiari's in the lineup versus when he's out because of the confidence that they have in him at left tackle. They don't have to take into consideration the plays because he's there. They just let him go do his thing. With that said, I agree. This is his last season. When we were talking to him on Wednesday, he said there's two things on his mind as he enters you know, this stage of his career. He wants to win a Super Bowl. The other thing he referenced was Devontae Adams. David Bakhtiari said he wants to be in control of how his career ends and referenced Devontae, who, as we know, wanted to go to Las Vegas, made it work that he was able to get traded there. So in terms of his long-term future with the Packers, you know, signs like that, you know, tells us that perhaps the writing's on the wall and that this is going to be his last season, which I think many of us assume anyways, especially with their being cap savings next year for him uh, if they were to move on at that right. point. So that just seems to be the way things are going. He also added that he isn't going to be the the grumpy veteran in the locker room. He's there to do a job, and he's he, his goal is to continue playing at a, a, at a high level. So I, I don't see there being any reason why – or any reason that there's going to be issues this year whatsoever. He still wants to win. He's going to do everything he can at the left tackle position to be healthy and to ensure that he is protecting Jordan Love's blind side. But yeah, this it seems like this is his last, you know, last stand in Green Bay, unless they come out and really surprise this year and give him the confidence that maybe something special could happen here in the next couple of years. I would love, I, I, I think, and I've been saying the seven to nine wins, I think they're somewhere in that area. If, if they were to win nine games in Jordan Love's first year with all these rookies, the, the optimism from Packer fans, regardless if they made the playoffs or not with nine wins, I, to me, it wouldn't even matter. Mm -hmm. if, if they go win nine games or even eight, if they're eight and nine, nine and eight with mm -hmm. all of these young guys and a whole offseason together, now that they know the offense, and now LaFleur can add more to what he wants to do going into next year confidence and optimism would be through the roof. The only problem is Joe Barry is still coordinating the defense. And that's where we go next is on the defensive side of the ball. They got Lucas Van Ness. And again, I've not been to OTAs. I've heard positive things about Lucas Van Ness uh, from OTAs. What have you seen? Yeah, he was, especially on Wednesday, he was dominant. 
He was living in the backfield. He's he's a power rusher, as advertised. He goes from point A to point B, uh, regardless of who's in his way. Something that he'll have to continue to develop is what's that secondary move? Because obviously that's not going to work every time. Right. So what's his counter going to be? But a really impressive play that he had was, uh, I believe it was Sean Clifford was in shotgun, running back to his to his left, ran play action and towards Van Ness's side on the right. And he popped Nyman, created that separation, and instead of just crashing in, he he set the edge. He was there to confirm that the running back didn't have the ball, and then from there, pursued the quarterback. And we saw that speed of his. And reason that I was impressed by that is because the Packers' edge rushing unit as a whole, they're really, really good at getting after the quarterback. They have not been very good in terms of setting the edge and containing the run. So to see the rookie early on come in and just have that be a part of his thought process, again, as the play is unfolding and then pursuing the quarterback, I was really, really impressed by that. And again, just, uh, you know, got you excited to see him because he looks the part. He is, you know, he he lives up to the nickname Hercules. And when you see him rushing the the passer, you hear his, his fists hitting the pads of the offensive tackle. It's it's fun to watch. He's going to be really, really fun to watch this season. You have him and Rashawn Gary, hopefully for the next decade, maybe, mm-hmm. rushing the quarterback together. And when you think about money, they're good. Because on the defensive side of the ball, yes, you have Kenny Clark, but that's not going to last much longer. Um, and then I'm guessing he'll be moving on. Uh, you have Jair Alexander. He's not going anywhere at this point. Rashawn Gary, okay. That's about it. Because if Bakhtiari's on the move, You've got nobody that you're paying on the offensive side of the ball outside of Aaron Jones, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a contract situation they'll have to deal with in the offseason as well. I was surprised he was even back this year. Happy he is, um, but was surprised they were able to work something out to keep Aaron Jones. On that defensive side of the ball, what's your biggest concern outside of Joe Barry? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the safety position. You know, they, they're bringing back – you know, basically the same starters. Savage, they've already said, is going to be playing deep. So who's going to be playing next to him? And as we know, Darnell Savage was benched last year. Uh, he was just, to you know, in his own words, he was trying to do so much. And that led to him being out of position. Uh, a lot of big plays over the top. Tackling has never been a strong suit of his. Now, Rudy Ford came in last season, provided some stability. And so far through OTAs, he's been the starting safety next to Darnell Savage. And if I had to make a guess right now, that's who I think is going to be there week one. Over Owens? That would be my guess right now. Because in yeah, terms Owens of, is the safety they brought in from the Texans for people who don't know who I'm talking about. Yep. In terms of, you know, he's the second, I know it's not by much, but he's the second most experienced player in this Joe Barry defense at the safety position after Savage. And he came in and he just, he's a willing tackler, uh, capable run defender, and he was just positioned correctly. Rudy Ford had four takeaways last season, three interceptions and a fumble. And a lot of that's just a product of doing your job and being in the right position. So he helped provide that stability. So again, there's a long ways to go. If Owens is a start of week one, I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. But right now, I that's what my guess would be. I'm going to throw out one other uh, thing out there, the run defense. The Packers have a ton of pass rush options. Kobe Wood and Carl Brooks, the rookies, they're, they're going to, you know, they have a ton of potential as pass rushers. But when you look at the early downs, the obvious running situations, it's going to be TJ Slayton, Kenny Clark, and probably Devontae Wyatt. You know, Kenny Clark has said Devontae Wyatt has to continue working on his run game technique. Like that's an area he has to improve in. 
And unfortunately, Kenny Clark can't play 100% of the snaps. Right. So what are they going to do in those obvious rushing situations? You have Slayton. That's going to be his bread and butter. That's where he is. If you're going to use Clark on running situations, that means he's not on the field for every passing situation. So you got to pick and choose. For Wyatt, that's an area of improvement. And then you're looking at the two rookies. And in terms of rushing the passer versus being a run defender, that learning curve for being a running defender with the nuance, the technique that comes with it, it's just a lot steeper. These guys are going to go through, again, as we keep talking about ups and downs and how they're going to be utilized on that run defensive part of the game remains to be seen. If I was guessing right now, Wooden Brooks would be more defensive ends and saying, hey, set the edge, try to funnel everything back towards the middle, towards Clark, towards Slayton. But how they're going to figure that out, the the Packers, I mean, and who they're going to utilize, that still remains to be seen. And Jerry Montgomery, defensive line coach, Kenny Clark have talked about this. If this defense is going to take a step forward this year, it starts with the run game. They uh, gave up too many yards on early downs, created, you know, uh, third and shorts, second and shorts for the offense, opened up the entire playbook. When you got second and four, you can, if you're an offensive play call, you can do whatever you want. It puts the defense on their heels. It's a lot more difficult to try to predict what's going to come versus if you have success, putting them in second and eight, you know, third and longs, the defense has the opportunity to pin their ears back. The cornerback can be more aggressive. So every, to me, a lot of the success that we're going to see in this defense starts up front in terms of slowing the run game. And right now I have questions about, who's going to be those guys alongside Clark and Slayton that's going to step up and, and help in that capacity along the front. And there's going to be an early test in week two in Atlanta because mm-hmm. that's all they do is run the damn football. And Arthur Smith is really good at designing run plays. And you had B. John Robinson to Algier, who already was a good running back, on what they're able to do. Plus, you're going to have that RPO game with Ritter where he'll probably run the ball four or five times a game from the quarterback position. They're – they are going to provide a test for that Packer run defense right away. Because if they aren't any better, they're going to run for 200 yards against that Packer run defense, and it's going to be a long day at the office for the Packers, which doesn't put Jordan Love and this Packers offense in a better situation. The one thing that cannot happen, you cannot be down 10, 14, nothing mm-hmm. in games and then expect this inexperienced offense to get yourself back into the game. You're putting them in a bad, bad situation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know there was uh, effort to retain their special teams players because obviously we've seen as Packer fans <laughs> the good and bad that can come with that and winning the field position battle more so than previous years is going to be incredibly important for Green Your Bay. field goal kicker is a huge question mark. Mm-hmm. That could cost them a couple of games too with Carlson, the kicker now. Yep, absolutely. And then as far as the defense, they have their starters returning. So, you know, you could see Goody's approach here, you know, continue to – hold that defensive core together, make sure our special teams is up to par. We have what should be a good offensive line around love and hoping that those parts are enough to keep them in games where he and the young pass catchers can do enough to put them over the edge. He is Paul Brettel. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Of course, writer for Packers Wire uh, and Dairyland Express. And before I let you go, you also... Uh, do radio hits from my guy, John Papadopoulos, uh, over there at the Sports Lead in Lacrosse. That's my dude, man. I, I love going on that dude's show. And he'll bring me on and talk Packers. He'll bring me on and talk Bucks. And that's fun. But he's my Brewers guy. Like, I love talking Brewers with John Papadopoulos. That dude is amazing. I'm sure you have a lot of fun going on his show, too. Oh, I absolutely love it. It's what's the highlights of my week during the season and when OTAs and uh, the draft and all that stuff's going on, I get to go on there and talk Packers football with John. It's one of my favorite things.
Yeah, he's a great dude. Love him. Uh, all right, so again, follow Paul, Paul on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. You will thank me, I guarantee you, when you start reading all of his stuff. It's so good. And you, if you've listened to Curtin Long, you've heard me mention his stuff that we read on the air and different stuff that he has. So check it out. Uh, and like I said, you'll thank me. Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Berkey. There he is, Paul Brettel. Have a good